Chime in, anytime. <laughs> oh no, I'm enjoying this far too much. Haven't you ever seen a rare hairless Wookiee before? Oh. Always remember I am here. Always remember I am not a Wookiee. Hello there, and welcome to episode 12 of Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast, where we travel through the galaxy watching each episode of every Star Wars TV series. I'm your host, Tommy. And I'm your other host, Cad Bane's orthodontist. That seems like a very lucrative career. It is. (laughs) Also known as Cassie. Oh yeah, I have a real name. And today, oh... Boy, today, uh, we're excited. I might not sound excited. I'm trying to keep my levels in line, uh, but it's not working out too well. Um, we're excited because we're talking episodes five and six of The Book of Boba Fett, which is uh, the penultimate penultimate episode and then the penultimate episode. What does that mean? It's like the one before the final episode. Oh. oh. And then the the one before the one before. I don't think penultimate penultimate really works. So there's only but... one left? There's only one left after this. Oh my this. gosh. Uh, and these were two very different uh, episodes than what we've gotten so far with Book of Boba Fett. So there's a lot to talk about. But yeah, let's let's jump right in. So episode five is Return of the Mandalorian, which the Mandalorian, as we all know, is the Mandalorian from the Mandalorian TV series, Din Djarin. The Disney Plus summary for this one is an unexpected ally emerges. Oh, I wonder who. Yeah, I mean, the. <laughs> it's funny when the summary is less descriptive than the actual episode title. <laughs> for some strange reason, even though you see the episode title. Like, I don't know. It's like they're trying I to I don't not, understand. They're trying not to spoil it, but like it's literally spoiled in the episode title. So Are the pictures. And, I'm pretty yeah. sure on the screen there's a picture of Din Djarin, but yep. whatever. Yeah, so this episode brings, like I said, it, it's the return of Din Djarin. Uh, and the episode mostly focuses on him. We don't really see Boba or Fennec. That Which much. is fine. Which is fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't have. I have zero issue with it. I, we'll we'll talk about this. But a lot of people Let's had talk about it now. Sure. <laughs> a lot of people had criticisms uh, of the fact that Boba Fett was not prominently featured in the the these the two episodes we're going to talk about. I think that's a fine criticism. Like I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that criticism. I don't subscribe to it because we we, we talked about this right where we were like. I think I even said, like, oh, Boba Fett's, like, not in this a lot. And it is surprising, but it's not, like, problematic because the episodes are so great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my take on it is I was actually just thinking about this before I took my second nap of the morning, uh, which I do every weekend, which is probably why I sound a little less crazy than normal. But <laughs> that's what I do is I get up and I eat cereal and then I go back to sleep and then I wake up and then sometimes I go back to sleep a few hours later if I have nothing to do. But I was thinking really hard about this before I fell asleep, and I was just like, okay, think about if this was a book, a book of Boba Fett, right? 
And there are some chapters mm-hmm. that don't have the main character in For them sure. at all. And it's like you are kind of like just panning to another c- scenario that's happening at the same time. And we were also told that this is a sequel to The Mandalorian. Yeah, right? it's like... It- so like... The Mandalorian is still kind of one of the primary characters of this entire series. So it's like, yeah, the, t- the chapters are floating, you know, to Boba Fett for a while. But then it's like, just like any other novel where you just have episodes that are just, you know, about a certain... All, all TV shows do that yeah. sometimes. Like, there's just like a stint where like three or four episodes are about something that's happening on the other side of the world as opposed to, you know, it's kind of like an Avatar when they would go, you know, Aang is the main character, but then for, like, three episodes, you're with Zuko and his uncle instead. Like, and you know what? They're probably everybody's favorite episodes. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, again, like. And the it, whole thing about people, I was I was kind of annoyed, because the whole, everyone was talking about, like, oh, it's fan service. And oh, like, okay, yeah, we can talk about that real fast. Like, the- everyone was like, it's such fan service to, to bring the Mandalorian back and Baby Yoda and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, you are literally complaining when they just gave a TV show to a character who had one minute of screen time in all of the movies combined. that That is also fan service, and who cares? Yeah. Why it, is it wrong to have fan service? Don't you want the fans to enjoy what you're as doing? As a fan, don't, don't you? you want a part of it? Like As a fan, don't you want to be serviced? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Real good. Uh, now, I, it's funny because, like, we were talking about this, and... The the book of Boba Fett doesn't exist without fan service. Like the fact that a character in the original series whose most notable kind of action slash notable scene is him being killed, presumably, it gets his own TV show. Like that that's that's fan service, right? Like that mm-hmm. is that is one hundred percent fan service. So when people are like, oh, these episodes are just just fan service for like people who like you know, the animated series. I hate that series. that word is negative. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I can understand it when you have media that is, it's made, it's lessened because of, like, fans, be, like, being angry, annoyed people, right? And, like, demanding things of creators. Like, when people are like, oh, they just caved to fan service when, you know, I mean, oh, it's not like this is a new phenomenon. When you think about, like, Going all the way back to um, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle killed off Sherlock Holmes and like intended for him to be dead and was met with such like vitriol and like people complaining about it that that Arthur Conan Doyle had to bring the character back to life. Like, mm-hmm. so like, and, and well, it was sometimes fine. It sucks, sometimes, sometimes it's great. Yeah, sometimes it leads to cool things. But like, I guess the fan service, when I when I get into it. When I think about when fan service is bad, it's when it, it's people like bullying creators and being like, no, this is what I want. Like, you know, you did this the wrong way. Like, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that sounds like that's not what's happening. No, here. but it's not. It's not. No, because not at all. Because Dave Filoni loves Star Wars and he wants to continue to tell the story that he's been telling in Clone Wars and beyond. And that's, I just had goosebumps the whole time, particularly when we get to episode, the second part of these two episodes that we're talking about like i just felt like it was like a dream it was like it it was everything that I, it really was fan service in some ways because it felt like i was seeing everything that i wanted to see play out like you know like wouldn't it be cool if we got to see yoda train with or sorry grogu chain train with luke and luke and ah- ahsoka interact and spoilers. like spoilers that was just 
it's everything I want to see, you know? And I feel like yeah. Clone Wars always did that too. Well, like Clone Wars was always bringing in characters that like just made me so excited to watch the yeah. TV show. Well, and, and I think that that is a mark of the creators really caring about the story too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if, if this, if the show just, if the show just focused on Boba Fett and Fennec and like just was completely new characters and just did their own thing and it didn't really have a tie in to like the rest of the media, like who would care? Like that's my, that, I I don't get the argument when people are saying it's being too fan service. Like maybe it's not for you. Like maybe you don't care about some of the characters they're introducing. And in, 100% I'm on board with that because there are, and we'll talk about it, but there's like a specific character that I at first was just kind of like, I don't really like this person. Uh, not the person, your cast is getting all wide eyed, not the person you're thinking of. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine for it to just be like, I don't connect with that because I wasn't a fan of this other media or I don't connect with that because it's tying into stuff that like I didn't like or what, like, that's fine. But just saying that it's there for fan service, I don't think is correct because well, maybe it is, but also, like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> What's kind of funny about that is that uh, one of the reasons I took so long to watch Clone Wars was because it tied into the prequels. And I was like, I'm not a huge fan of the prequels. I don't think I will like this. And I was entirely wrong. Yep. So, you know, your opinions can change about stuff like that. Like, I literally, ironically, the reason I started watching the prequels was because I saw how cool Cad Bane was. And was like, oh, this is such a cool character. Maybe I should give this show a chance. And that's literally, and it took me forever to get to him. But that was literally the reason that I started watching uh, Clone Wars. Yeah. And it ended up being that, like, that character, like, in the TV show, like, well, well we're going to talk a lot about him, but we're, we're already derailed. But he, I mean, he's a great character, but, like, also kind of is very, like, Boba Fett-esque in that, like, yeah, he had, like, yeah, he, he's very he get, small. He gets beaten a lot, like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of what his character is there for, but uh, we get a very cool look. Again, if you're only, like, tuning in to listen to the first half of this episode, Whoops, sorry. we talk about episode five, spoilers throughout, because uh, we're probably going to mention this again, but we'll try to stick just to episode five, like, it who cares? Um, but Well, let's go back to episode five, then. <laughs> what happens so, in episode five? Yeah, so episode five, again, this was chapter five, The Return of the Mandalorian. And so I, just to really quickly kick it off, I want to talk about the like directors and actors. So this one was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, whose mm-hmm. acting credits include, she was Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 3, Victoria in Twilight Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. Uh, she's also Claire Deering, Deering or Deering, I don't know, I haven't watched them, in the Jurassic World movies um she played herself on arrested development in the mm-hmm. episode emotional baggage and appeared in an episode of black mirror directorial credits she actually has a few she did direct the documentary dads uh which focused on like some pretty prolific hollywood dads including her own father who is ron howard um she also directed a short film called soulmates and directed episode four of the mandalorian which was the episode where they teach the village how to fight off the the raiders who had the uh, atst and chapter 11 of the mandalorian which was the heiress which is the, the episode where we see bo katan in live action for the first time and the frog lady episode mm-hmm. so uh, bryce alice howard phenomenal director for for these because like all of those ep- those two episodes i mentioned of mandalorian are like really some good. of the best and this episode of the book of boba fett is i think probably if you just 
take out like the like if this felt very much like an episode of just the mandalorian Mm -hmm. which i mean again this is kind of like a bridge series so it's fine this felt like the best episode i feel like of the show um overall For, for for me like just as an episode of a tv show it might not be my favorite but it felt like the most like the one that had like the most going for it and then for the cast we had pedro and again, that's just my opinion. <laughs> but, uh, the cast, we have uh, Pedro Pascal, who played, who's obviously Mando. We also have Ardashir Radpour, who played the Clatoonian. 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 boss. Clatoonian. And as far as I could tell, they're primarily a stunt actor, which is really cool to see them have a speaking role. The Clatoonian the, the boss is uh, the mark for Mandalorian at the start of the episode. Uh, we also have Helen Sadler, who was uh, Ishi Tib. Uh, sorry, the Ishi Tib Guildmaster, who essentially hired Mando. So she voiced Havina Von Reg in Star Wars Scott Squadrons. She voiced Rey in the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. She was Major Henri in Star Wars: The Old Republic and other various voice acting credits. And Cassie, since you played Alder Scrolls Online, I don't know if these names ring any bells to you, but she was Veya and Solgra in that. It's been so long. Yeah, I probably do remember, but I don't. Um, we there also- are so many characters in that that game, and they're all voice acted, which is cool, but also overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I figured it, 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 they also she also was just like a Dunmer, just said like a random Dunmer elf. Cool. So I'm sure she had like a bunch of like Dunmer elves that she voiced that they just like reused. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had Emily Swallow as the armorer. Uh, since we haven't talked about the armorer before, so badass. Yeah, one of Cassie's favorite characters. I love women that. We weld and yeah. make armor. I you you and kind of beefy. You kind of likened her to like a dwarf class. Well, Mandalorians, like yeah. for some reason, just suddenly struck me as being like the dwarf of space, like because they're really about their clan and their people, and they are not understood. And battle, yeah, battle. They're not understood by the rest of society. They're very distinct in that way. Um, they don't really interfere with the rest of society, which depending on which, you know, medium you're looking at dwarves, that could be yes or no. I'm thinking of like Dragon Age where they kind of are isolated from the rest mm-hmm. of everyone. Some some properties have dwarves really integrated, but they obviously armor is something very important to them. Working with metals is very important to them. Yep. Um, and there's a and like symbology spe- and meaning behind using certain things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, specifically, like, I think that the essence of like Beskar like Beskar itself is yeah. very like you know dwarves and like D&D and mm-hmm. and other things are like oh the iron like you know what I mean like mm-hmm. they, they I love it they so. have a very um <laughs> I love that I love that my, oh, sorry. The iron. I love that my, my explanation there was just oh the iron oh the irony oh the irony uh, <laughs> literary dwarves love irony dwarf poets are obsessed with irony. Oh my god. Oh my god, that is such a dad joke. What did uh, the dwarven poet write about? Irony. Stupid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, this is all in the red. Anyway, we you, you better keep it though. I don't try give a to. fuck. Anyway. Um, anyway, um Anyway. Yeah, so so anyway. the armor, the return of the armor who is uh 
portrayed by Emily Swallow. Since we haven't talked about her, she acted, she's acted on NCIS, The Good Wife, Medium, Guiding Light, <laughs> uh, Supernatural, Castlevania, and is, was also the voice of Emily in The Last of Us Part Two. Cool. We have, uh, I believe it's pronounced Tight, T-A-I-T, Fletcher, uh, who was uh, Paz Vizsla's uh, performance artist i wrote body <laughs> um paz vizsla is actually voiced by john favreau um and this isn't the first time we've seen paz vizsla paz vizsla showed up in the mandalorian as well mm-hmm. and then we have max lloyd jones who is the who was lieutenant reed who's one of the republic cops that pulls over mando oh yeah yeah, yeah. he was the body double for or sorry the performance artist for luke in the mandalorian but and this is one of the spoilers uh, for the next episode, is notably not the performance artist for Luke. Again, there's a different performance artist uh, who is the body of Luke in episode six when mm-hmm. Luke does show up. Uh, we also have Paul Sung-Hyung Lee. He is one of the other Republic cops, and we've seen him in in The Mandalorian as well. Uh, and then also, he's done a lot of just different things. He was in Kim's Convenience, The Bravest Knight, Degrassi, and will be Uncle Iroh. Degrassi? Yes. Oh yeah, Uncle Iroh. Yeah, he's That's gonna funny. be. I said that already. I was just talking about it. <laughs> he's gonna be Uncle Iroh in the live action adaptation of Avatar: The Last Airbender. I actually Airbender. can't wait for that. By the way, it looks really cool. Uh, and then finally, we have uh, Leilani Shu, who is the Jawa, who plays one of the Jawa, oh. which we're gonna talk about. Oh, and then finally, gosh, sorry, finally, finally, we have the triumphant return of Peli Moto. Yay! Who is of course portrayed by Amy oh, Sedaris. So cute. <sighs> Love Pelimoto, and I hope Pelimoto comes back a bunch. So, getting into this episode, I know you have a lot of notes. One thing I just wanted no, to say off the top it. of the, I already already said this when we were watching it, but I just love that most of this episode is people being like, "Where's the baby?" <laughs> <laughs> I just love that it's just Dinjarin walking around, and everyone's like, "Where's so, your baby? It's Where funny. did the baby go?" And he's like, "I don't have it anymore," and he's so sad. Yeah, I wonder. Okay. I, it, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I didn't think about this before, but I wonder if that is like a s- very subtle Seinfeld joke. N- no. Oh, <laughs> we gotta see you the gotta baby. gotta see the baby Yoda. No, uh, no. I was gonna say I wonder if it's a very subtle call out to like real life where. Oh yeah, you're not you're you're not your own person anymore once you have a child. Well, yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, let me be a little more specific. Apparently, I'm not connecting to you at all that's that too but what i'm trying to say is real life where people are like is baby yoda coming back oh yeah is grogu coming probably that's all people care about that's all people are care about and so everybody's like anytime you see literally anybody time someone sees mando for the first time well except for like the bounty bounties yeah but like everybody else they're like where's the baby like and i feel like i feel like that's I feel like that's what like everybody's wondering is like it's is probably it baby- the people who don't really watch anything but the Mandalorian too. They're like obsessed with Baby Yoda, like my sister, but don't know yeah. anything else about Star Wars, which is fine. But it's just funny because they're like, "Where's that baby? Yeah. Where's the baby? Where's the baby?" I mean, let's not get anything twisted. Baby Yoda's the Grogu is the cutest thing ever. Like he is the cutest child that has ever existed. Yes, and you even cannot, though he hasn't existed. You cannot not love him. Like, he's just so sweet. But I just, I thought it was funny that Pelimoto would say that. Also, sorry, jumping around. I love that little joke. So, obviously, Din Djarin comes, once he fights those, yep. once he gets his bounty, and he, you know, again, we see a bounty hunter not slaughtering everyone, but, well, like... I mean... He saved those... 
workers, though, is he what did, I mean. He did, yeah, but he also literally decapitates the guy. Yeah, well, he was supposed to do that. What I'm saying is, like... That... <laughs> well, he didn't say alive or dead, but yeah. I know, well, I the guy made the decision for him. True. But he didn't just slaughter all the other workers. He was, like, go in there and, like, get money and Yeah, I got a lot life. to say about that. So that's really cool. Fuck capitalism. But, oh, well, after that, when he goes back to Pelimoto and he's trying to get a, a new ship or whatever, and she she talks about having had a relationship with a Jawa. Hell, and that was the yeah. funniest thing ever. It was amazing. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I also love that there's like a, there's a reference to where she's like, no, I'm just kind of working on myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. I really I- wonder what that Jawa said to her, like. Hey, you want to go get a beer or something? Like- I I wrote down like I wrote down I used to date a Jawa like in quotes and I said Amy Sedaris is fucking queen mm-hmm. like not fucking queen the Jawa fucking queen. Well, yes. Um. So really quick, yeah. So we've you've already we've already started touching on it. I wonder so- what Jawa peepees look like. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna take that out? Probably not. Okay, good. So we begin a media res again, and we see the return of Mando, Din Djarin, who's tracking a Klaatui. <laughs> why do you keep I saying I can't do like, it. Klaatuinian. Why do you keep saying Klaatuinian. There we go. Tracking a Klaatuinian bounty to a slaughterhouse. Uh, he engages them in battle, and we see Din wielding the Darksaber for the first time. We also see kind of him having a little bit of a challenge with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we do hear more about that later in the episode. He he bags the head. He bags his bounty, literally. Uh, leaves the salt, slaughterhouse and like you have mentioned, there's an incredible kind of anti-capitalist pro-worker moment. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was intentional, but it was yeah, rad it was. to me. It was absolutely intentional. Where he's just like, he tells the workers like, your boss is dead. You don't really have, like, I have no beef with you. Also, I have no claim to his money, so <laughs> go get your money, like, uh-huh. um, and let me leave. And they're just like, okay. Like, uh-huh. so I just thought that was really cool. That's the second in this series where we've gotten, like, a very, like... Yeah, anti-capitalist. Yeah, anti-capitalist, passage. yeah, kind of passage. Uh-huh. Uh, from there, Din heads to a large ring world known as Glavis, which is, honestly, I think one of the cooler it worlds. It looks like Mass Effect. I was it gonna looks s- like the Citadel to me. I was going to say it looks like the, a ripoff of Halo. Oh, probably. I mean, because it's yeah. literally a halo. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you really see cool. the Citadel just kind of floating in space, mm-hmm. upside down, kind of cool. Yep. He, uh, so he goes to turn in, hit, turn in the head to the person who set up the bounty. And we learned that he wasn't even doing it for money. He was doing it for information. Mm-hmm. He wanted to know the, the whereabouts of the rest of his clan, essentially, and is eventually reunited with, uh, the armor and Paz Visla, who, mm-hmm. Both help him with his injury. He does injure himself with the dark saber, and that's kind of the kind of the the opening, right? Because the armor asks like, "What type of weapon did this?" He explains the dark saber. We get a, a a quick look at like the history of the dark saber there and what like the dark the purpose of the dark saber is. This is where we find out that the dark saber was created by a Mandalorian Jedi, yeah, which I think holds a lot of weight and mm-hmm. was not just pointed out for any reason i mean it was something specific yeah we don't know about yet but yeah. we have speculation yeah so they talk about uh it's tar visla who we i don't know i'm trying to remember because we're kind of like at the end of the second to the last season of rebels but we've kind of taken a long break i, I know they talk about tar visla in rebels i don't remember exactly where mm-hmm. but this is just kind of bringing that in even further 
but it is yes we do kind of learn about the the first and i think only mandalorian jedi mm-hmm. who wields you know the dark saber and it is very much foreshadowing i think i don't know what it's it's set like to a mean. dwarf wielding magic yeah and i mean we'll talk about this when we talk about episode six but there's like a lot of like mixing of you know, backgrounds and yes. and history that's, like, potential to happen. Like, it's a very stark contrast we get where we see Tar Vistla versus how episode six ends, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, they kind of discuss, again, just the significance of, you know, the significance of the Darksaber and how it has to be won in battle. And that's foreshadowing for this mm-hmm. episode. Um we also get more more history on what happened to Mandalore, right? Like we uh-huh. get the Night of a Thousand Tears uh, and the kind of decimation thereof. Um, I'm saying um a lot. Sorry, future me, for when I'm editing this. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we also uh, <laughs> can't stop now. The fight scene was great. So, yeah, so we'll get to the fight scene. One thing I do want to mention before that, the the armorer mentions how... So, Din shows the Beskar spear, and the armorer says, this shouldn't exist because Beskar can pierce Beskar, and only Beskar should be used for armor, even though she herself has Beskar weapons. So, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but whatever. Yeah, well, maybe she uses it mainly to... She- craft the armor she does it's just funny because like she has like the the she can do whatever the fuck she wants yeah whatever but it also is just like one of those things where it's like these rigid orders Mm -hmm. that are just very even in like the smallest ways are always like a little hypocritical Mm -hmm. anyway again back to that foreshadowing Paz Visla, I guess, over kind of kind of overhears that and challenges din for a fight for the dark saber he says that it belongs to his family lineage which is stupid because the whole idea about it is that it can be won by Creed in battle. So, like, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they fight. Din gets his ass kicked, but then wins in the end. And then the armorer asks them both, have you ever shown your face or have you ever taken your hat off? And he's like, well, shit. He's like, well, yeah. <laughs> and they kick him out of the order because yep. they're stupid. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say stupid. They kick them out <laughs> of the order because they're ridiculous. Anyway, then Din flies coach to Tatooine. <laughs> like, literally, he's on, like, a consumer. Adorable. And he just is a daddy. He is. Like, all, all the little kids just love him. Is he a daddy or a daddy? He's a zaddy. <laughs> I mean, he is really hot. But he's also just a daddy. And I also just want to say in general, like, or we'll get to this more when he's with Baby Yoda. But, like, sorry, I still call him Baby Yoda. I know he has a real name, but whatever. Um, He's a Baby Yoda. Uh, He... He's just so much more emotional now than he was. And that's not a At complaint. At the start of the show, That's yeah. not a complaint because people like to complain about people being emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek Discovery. Anyway, yeah, he just, he loves this little boy. And he, he really is like his son and it's just really sweet. And also, mm-hmm. can I just say, I'm so confused about Grogu's development and age. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought he was like a preteen maybe that could talk but then he's like a baby still putting things in his mouth that he shouldn't be putting in his mouth i'm just so confused about the 
biological development of whatever Yoda's race is. Like, yeah. it's very confusing. It's very, it's it's strange. Um, Why but, is he making decisions like he did at the end of the, I'm also pissed about Luke. We'll get we're, that. We're, yeah, okay, we're, let's keep going. We're going to talk about that. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, so yeah, I think you were kind of getting to this. So Din flies coach and there's this baby, sorry, not a baby. There's a child. Rodian. Rodian, thank you. Who is kind of in the front seat in mm-hmm. front of him, and it's obviously like he's green too. He's green, and it's making him think of his green baby. Also, <laughs> I just making him think of his green baby. You know, when you're like, out, oh, my green baby. My, that's yeah. just like my green. And baby. And you see a green baby, and you're like, I miss my green baby that's at home. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I do want to call out. It was very funny when he has to board the ship. He has to give up his weapons, and he's like, weapons are part of my religion. Remember I told you that this episode is so mundane? It very it very much is. Like, literally, it's like the Mandalorian has to go through customs, has to get his car checked out. <laughs> He's trying to buy a new used car. Yeah, like, it's just very dad-oriented. Yeah, like, he has to go to, like, dad shit. patient first, because he hurt himself, like, <laughs> when he was putting together uh, the deck. <laughs> the deck being beheading uh, Klaatuinian. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. Um, yeah, it is very it is very mundane, but it's also great. Like it's very I love it. It's still it's still very. Uh, you were emotional. so pissed about the customs thing, though. You were like, well, because, "Oh my god, okay. if someone takes his fucking dark saber." I'm still pissed about it because let me let me just call this out. I, it uh, felt like an NFL commercial, like a commercial from the Super Bowl. I thought part. it was funny. I liked oh, I loved it. it. It was just funny. But so he's going through and taking off all of his stuff, and it's very it's it's very overdone because he has like all of these weapons, obviously, mm-hmm. but. It felt like there was going to be something to happen because when he puts the dark saber in, there's this moment where he kind of like pauses on it and he puts it down. And so I was expecting him to get off the ship and the dark saber be like stolen or something. Yeah, it was weird. But then nothing happened. Like it was just like, oh, everything's here. Everything checks out. Granted, maybe in the future, well, because I don't think he ever turns the dark saber back on. Maybe he goes to turn it on and it's just like fake. You know, it's like, oh, it was stolen. But who knows? But anyway, I was just kind of like, I thought that was kind of foreshadowing something and then it didn't, but mm-hmm. whatever. Anyway, he arrives on Tatooine and this is where he he gets to Pelly's shop. He She basically says, you know, I have a new ship for you. He's expecting something that's uh, kind of like the Razor Crest and he gets like a Naboo N1 class uh, starfighter, which mm-hmm. is very small notably has a seat for a droid which mm-hmm. no we know what the seat's for like yeah. it's gonna be where the baby sits uh that's for baby that's for the baby that's for green baby and but it was where droids sat mm-hmm. yeah it would have been where like an r2 droid or um mm-hmm. like an astromech essentially it's like the one that anakin flew. yeah and they they work to fix it up. They they partner with the Jawas and her her droids, and they fix it up. And at the end, he he takes it once he gets it all souped up and everything. He takes it off for a joyride. Gets pulled over by the literally a dad. Gets pulled over by the cops, and then uh, comes back. And that's when Fennec shows up. Mm-hmm. Basically, has scaled the walls of the shop and is like. Hey, I need you for a job. Mm-hmm. And the Mandalorian says, I will, but I got to visit a little friend first. And that's where we go into yeah. the next so, episode. Sorry, I wanted to uh, I wanted to just jet through the, um, yeah. the, the out. Not too much happens in that episode. Yeah, but there was some cool stuff. I mean, it was great, but there's some very poignant moments. But again, it's like dad getting all of his maintenance taken yeah. care of before he goes and picks up the green baby. How did you feel about the Tar Visla, like little nugget and also the Mandalorian background stuff? Oh, like I said, I think it means that it's foreshadowing that we're going to have a Mandalorian Jedi. 
Um, and I have three mm-hmm. possible feelings of who that might be. Uh, my first is obviously Din Djarin. My mm-hmm. second is Sabine. Um, I've heard from people wanting, and I have. I know we haven't finished Rebels, but like, doesn't she like leave for a while? So she leaves, and she actually leaves the 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 crew and goes back to Mandalore. So I wonder if she's Mandalore. going to become part of this at some point, which would be really dope. It would be cool. I don't um, know if she's going to be a Jedi though. Yeah, who, she yeah. could be. Again, who knows? My third my third selection for the Mandalorian Jedi is Grogu himself. Yeah, because he's a technically... Which would be so weird, but, like, it was already weird seeing him do little flippity-doos like Yoda does. But, like, that's... Okay, he can do it. Like, yeah. you know. But he was also... going to give him Yoda's lightsaber, so, like... Yeah. Well, I, was I also... could see him wielding a dark saber, maybe. It'd be kind of cool. It would be cool. I do like, too, that they... So we talked about this when we were watching it, and I couldn't quite remember what happened with Sabine Wren. So Sabine Wren is uh, one of the members of the ghost crew from Star Wars Rebels, which we will eventually talk about. She is dope. <laughs> and yeah, also, so cool. she trains with the, the Darksaber with Kanan Jarrus, who uh, is a Jedi. And you, what's really cool is there's like a, a parallel, right? Because there are there is a moment where she's like, this thing is really heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that same thing happens to Din as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was really cool. I like that they kind of stuck that continuity there. It's not there for no reason, again. Mm-hmm. Like especially Dave Filoni, like he's not going to just say that and then it not become important later. Right. They also talk about like the Mythosaur, which is kind of the Mandalorian symbol. Mm -hmm. It seems like the sect that, that, uh, Din is a part of takes the, the Mythosaur to be kind of more of a a real thing. No, I I will say I'll be pissed if Boba Fett starts wielding that fucking saber. Yeah. Are they going to give him another cool thing? Cause he's got a jetpack. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about that, to be honest. I like I like him having just a gaffy stick. Yeah, I, I just don't think, think that makes sense for him. I just thought about it. I was he like, doesn't Wait. seem like he would care to unite Mandalore. I don't think that's part of his like it's, character because it's not his yeah. people. Um, whereas like Din, very much. I also too. I we needed. I need to do more research on Din's background because I'm trying to remember. Was he a foundling? Like yes. I don't think was he actually Mandalorian though. So well, like, well, foundlings can become Mandalorian if they're saved from Mandalorians, and that's what happened to him. So that's what I mean though is like, so he wasn't born no. as a Mandalorian. No, remember he was rescued. So that's what I'm wondering is like, where is he from? Mm-hmm. Like, could he be a Force wielder potentially? Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? So well, again, everyone has the Force. Well, yes, yes, yes. A couple of other things. So, so I do want to call this out. I saw this. Uh, I think it was like Screen Rant posted an article about this. But they, speaking of the Mythosaur, there is a line where the armorer talks about like the Mythosaur is is something about like it being lost to legend or something like that. And the funny call out with that is that in Star Wars Legends media, the Mythosaur history is fleshed out more and so it could be just like a subtle call out to the fact that like the yeah. mythosaur legend is in like it is in legends like uh Amazing. i thought that was kind of funny um and then we also get lots of cool flashbacks and call outs on tattooing there was a small scene where there was a a land speeder that looked a lot like luke's land speeder definitely it wasn't luke obviously but it was just like yeah. a call out also the a lot of the stuff that they the parts and stuff like that that they bring on to work on the the, the n1 starship the there was like a big I don't remember exactly what it was but like a big pole thing that they needed that was apparently that was referenced is referenced from a new hope 
when they're in the trash compactor. You that's what they use to try and like Oh, to stop the trash. Yeah. yeah from I don't know if it's the same one, but interesting. It's, it is the I same didn't catch thing. that. And then finally there is a uh, a BD droid, which is a call out to and it functions and looks exactly like the BD one droid from Jedi Fallen Order, mm-hmm. which is a, a game that I've started playing and haven't finished, but mm-hmm. it's really cool. Um so I thought that was a really cool call out as well. Um, anything else about this episode? Anything else you want to mention? We've covered a ton. No, I think you've, I think you, I'm ready to get into this big greasy ass. I don't know why I said greasy, but this greasy ass hamburger of an episode. <laughs> yeah. It I was... don't even remember how it started. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do. Oh, I do. Cause I have uh, notes down. So jumping right in, we have chapter six, which is called from the desert comes a fucking stranger. Mm. Uh, and the Disney Plus summary for this Oh, that's one. right. It starts out like a Western movie. Mm-hmm. Which immediately made me think of Cad Bane. Mm-hmm. Which is who I'd been calling it to be for the whole, this whole time. <laughs> in hope. So, from, uh, the Disney Plus summary for this one is mysteries are explored and Boba Fett learns new information. Oh, goody. That he does. Uh, this episode was directed by Dave Filoni, who is executive producer, uh, executive creative director for Lucasfilms. Uh, obviously, Filoni has been heavily involved with pretty much everything that is Star Wars TV and Star Wars media right now. He, especially the animated series, Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, Forces of Destiny, Bad Batch, uh, even The Mandalorian, and he's also right now writing for the upcoming Ahsoka live action show. I don't feel like I need to talk about who Dave Filoni is ever again, uh, (laughs) because I feel like everyone probably knows at this point, which is kind of funny because I feel like there was probably a point in time when people didn't know who Dave Filoni was, but um, the cowboy hat is... Very well known now. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode also gives us a look at uh, Cobb Vanth once again, who made his appearance in The Mandalorian. Oh, that's the one you weren't really... Yeah, I'm not really partial to him. He's yeah. cute. He kind of looks like another person. Timothy Oliphant? No. Because that's who it is. Shut up. No, he <laughs> looks like... Um, I can't remember. An older gentleman. Yeah. Um, I think I know what you I, I think I know what you mean. Timothy, Timothy Oliphant has a very, like, familiar... Fam- face even not in in the same way that a lot of like character actors do but in a way where it's like he looks like someone else he looks like someone else and i can't think yeah. of who it is right now but so, yeah i wasn't i mean he's a great actor i just wasn't partial to the character it, he's fine he's fine yeah, whatever. i'll talk a little bit more about Cobb Vanth because there's something i specifically want to call out but um mm-hmm. i'll get to that in a minute so too many credits to list for him obviously but he's been in everything from scream 2 to rango to live for your die hard hitman the fargo tv series and uh starred in justified mm-hmm. we also have dun, 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 mark hamill og jedi daddy himself as the <laughs> voice of luke skywalker uh and his stand-in in this one was graham hamilton who is Hamilton's been in stuff like love death and robots the orville and cis hmm. rizzoli and isles and just lots of other you know, parts and things like that. We also get Ahsoka. Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. W. Earl Brown uh, was the Weequay bartender in cool. Freetown. And we've seen that character the before. The name Freetown is so Fallout in it's, Vegas. <laughs> it really is. It's, I love it. It's a great name for a town. Um, so W. Earl Brown has credits dating all the way back to 1991. He's been in stuff like True Detective, Black Mass, Rookie of the Year, Scream, <laughs> Seinfeld. He was in Seinfeld. Cool. Uh, and just so much other stuff. We also have J.J. Dashnall, who is Deputy Scott. 
And that was the one who were like, who is this person? I feel like they're showing us him. And then it, and I then think he, that was on purpose. Yeah. I think that was like, you're supposed to think that this is the person that you're supposed to like, know, but then you're like, oh, obviously not. Cause he died. So what's funny <laughs> is he is, uh, Tamora Morrison's, uh, full armor body double. Hmm. In uh, Book of Boba Fett, which... That's cool. Wonder if that's foreshadowing. Badass. What do you think is foreshadowing? Because he just gets shot and killed. So I wonder if it's foreshadowing that Cad Bane's going to shoot and kill Boba Fett. Probably not, but... Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, if he does, that's fine. <laughs> we have uh, Charisma Gideon as Joe, and then finally, 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 Corey fucking Burton as Cad fucking Bane. Yeah. And then, uh, sorry, also Norian uh, Kingy as is the performance artist. Uh, Corey is just the voice, but awesome. he also voices Cad Bane in every other appearance that Cad Bane has yes. been which in. Which gives us hope that if Darth Maul comes to live action, he will again be voiced by the guy that voiced him. Yeah, I'm blanking <laughs> <laughs> on the name right now, but God, I but he love was that. in Solo, so and he looked hot as shit. But yeah, so we have. Cad Bane in live action, just like Cassie had been calling. Um, I, uh, but not in the way that we thought. I think I didn't know when it was going to happen, and I was getting. We were like almost near the end of the episode, and I was like, "Is it just Ahsoka? Or is everyone just excited because Ahsoka's back?" Which is always great. So I thought it was. But can we, can I just give the lowdown real fast of like yeah. what happened and how it played out? So the the scene where Cad Bane shows up is phenomenal, right? Yes. Because it gives you this eeriness, <sighs> right? Of you, uh, it's a western. Cobb the man Vanth. from the desert. Yeah. So he's rolling desk chain. Cobb Vanth walks out of the bar, and you see like this figure off in the distance, um, in in the desert, and y- there's this like eeriness about it because then Cobb Vanth is like, get everybody inside, like whatever. And Cassie, the whole the, as soon as I saw the figure, I was like, oh, I know who this is. Like, I it can't not, be, it I can't be anyone else. And you were like. You were like looking, Cassie, you kept looking at me and you're like, like, who is that? Who is that? <laughs> because in, in your whole thing, in your defense, you were like, he has such a big hat. <laughs> I, his hat didn't look big enough. His hat didn't look big enough. It looked like a helmet. And I was confused. And it kind of looked like Darth Vader. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, could you-, <laughs> could you imagine if Darth Vader just. Darth Vader just walking through the desert. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm a uh- mirage. <laughs> but uh yeah and then as it gets closer that's when cassie's like oh my god and i t- we tweeted out a picture of this but cassie they literally was standing on the couch um because you you talked about this a little bit ago but like the whole reason you started watching clone wars was because of cad Bane, i right? just heard how cool he was and i was like okay cool like they're bringing the western back into the space western like that's the whole thing was that star wars was a spaghetti western from the beginning yeah. and it wasn't very spaghetti western like in some ways and so this was literally like you know, people are looking through the windows, shutting up the doors and stuff, and this this man's coming in, this mysterious gentleman. And we have a standoff, too. Yes. Which is really cool. And his little, like, weird alien fingers, which are so cool. And he just, oh my god, his teeth were terrifying. Oh, the the whole... He looked great. He could have looked better, for sure. I saw some people, like, change a few things to his face. I hate that. I hate when people do that. It's like... But he looked amazing. I Why? mean, he looked just like any of the other. Like the, the I'm not, I'm not downplaying no, anything no, that the people did because I think it looked perfect. I loved it. What's funny is that the voice actor did do his voice, but his voice was like deeper and scarier. Yeah, it seemed it. It was very menacing. Um, but I, he I was just say, very scary. <laughs> can I just say because I mean it's our podcast and we can say whatever we want. Yeah. Um, 
No, people I, shouldn't do that. They should. Yeah, I don't like things. when. Yeah, I don't like when people take because this also happened with this also happened with the Sonic movies, and it like turned out like fine. But they think it's so easy. But they they think it's so fucking. It's not easy. CGI. It's actual makeup and special. And also, effects. there's there can be like artistic reasons why yeah. like they're the person doesn't. Well, look. I think the nose. I saw someone like move the nose down or something. It's probably because the human person who's in the costumes nose isn't down right to their chin and, and it needed to be up there who the fuck <laughs> cares that his nose is like not two centimeters no, lower it's perfect like, it is perfect the way it is it can and, well it doesn't have to that's my, here's my thing it doesn't have to be perfect it i don't be, mean it's i know i know i'm like, not arguing with you i'm not sorry i'm not arguing i mean with you. like it's great the way it is it's no it's it's i guess what i'm trying to say and again not arguing with you with people on the internet but like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, things yeah. don't... Like, media... The media you consume doesn't have to be fucking perfect. And because perfect means that it's exactly how you think it's going to be, and nothing's going to be exactly how you think yes. it's going to be. That's the type of fan service that's <sighs> happening, right? Sorry. Is when people change things for the fans for stupid reasons. This... I... I, ugh, I tweeted this out, but, like, the, it annoyed me to no end because of how excited we were, like, finishing up this episode. To have this is when people were talking about the fan service shit, and like, I was just kind of like, you can give basically like you give a bunch of fans like a bunch of good shit, and they're gonna complain that the good shit they got was too much. It was yeah. too much good shit, yeah. and it's like, yeah, do you like you fuckers are like, never gonna be satisfied. Yeah, all I wanted to do was be excited with other people on the yes. internet about things, and then I just had to ruin like it. shit. Like, yeah. and if you don't like shit. That's fine too. I knew how fucking goofy it was to see, but like you don't have to a nitpick young everything. Luke Skywalker and a baby Yoda floating around, but it was so cute. It was and cool. So like, obvious. I had goosebumps during that whole sequence just because let's, I was like, yeah, let's, let's go back to that moment because like, okay, first of all, starting from the very beginning of that sequence, so Din Djarin comes to the planet, which I don't remember the name of. But it's where we finally find. Well, it's where the Jedi, the the new Jedi Temple is that mm-hmm. that Luke creates. I don't think we get a name for the planet, by the way. I oh, I, I thought maybe it was in the new movies, but I'm not sure. It might. Uh, um, I don't. It might have been, but when I was looking through Wikipedia, I didn't see. Okay. I don't know. But if the they droids, ever... the, there are droids making the temple, which is so cool. So mm-hmm. we're seeing some origin there, and I love it. It's kind of like behind the scenes. Like again, it's like stuff that we never get to see. In books and movies, it's kind of the stuff that we have to make fan fiction about. And I felt like it was something that was like so, so carefully crafted and made. You know, we had we have the the whole sequence of Luke training Grogu and Grogu on Luke's back, just like Yoda was on Luke's back when mm-hmm. Luke was training in the swamps and him doing his little flippity doos, which yep. is the only thing I can call them. But you know, so cute, just so, so and then. Luke being, you know, the Luke that we see in Return of the Jedi, being very composed and calm and much. But also, we get a little look at the old Luke, too, because when Grogu is meditating and he tries to eat the frog and Luke kind of like, Luke kind of like does like the- Look what I can do. Luke does like the one eye open kind of thing and like sees Grogu and is like, Grogu. And then he like, he's like, he's just a kid. And then he- Luke like raises all the frogs out yes. of the swamp. Yes, and Luke and <laughs> Grogu's little smile, his little hungry smile, his little teefers, and he's like, ah. "There's this like it's so cute." We're gonna oh man, there's so much to, to digest it's in okay, this episode. Yeah. The, there's a very cool. So hold on, before I get into that, because you, it's gonna contrast with what happens at the end. Like yeah. Luke, Luke, let's just talk about Luke here, because Luke is so sweet and so pure, 
and really obviously has compassion and love for his friends and his family. And it's his love that allows his father to be forgiven at the end and kind of counteract Even everything that need to be forgiven. No, because he's a douche, but literal it's a whole Jesus thing. Right. <laughs> and in some ways it is. And that happens, mm-hmm. which is supposedly supposed to symbolize, I believe, like a new leaf of Jedi, a new temple, a new way to be trained and educated. Which... But then at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. just flipping to this part because it's, you know, this is the part that we wanted to talk about, especially in Clone Wars when we're seeing like Ahsoka and all these other Jedi that are moving away from the, mor- the moral code again of the Jedi. And then you have Luke presenting... Again, this baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so confused. He's not even a teenager yet. And he's giving them these two choices and saying, you know, you know everything you must possibly know about the Jedi Order at this point, clearly, because you're four years old. And you need to choose either, you know, your family or the way of the Jedi. And it was like, Luke, what the fuck? Like, yeah, it's, what the actual fuck? It's, it's this, and this is where Luke's kind of faults are but ahsoka also doesn't interfere which sucks too it's like but i think ahsoka doesn't interfere because she knows she'll probably say something she's not i don't think it's her she doesn't feel like it's her place to interfere like she's not a part of the jedi order yeah she's been not been a part of the jedi order i think she doesn't interfere she probably knows like the path that luke is going down is not good because she's like she's been she's been a part of the rigid order before Mm -hmm. so I think it's, it's this just confusing. Luke's Luke's core problem to me is his idealism. Yes. This like idealism that the Jedi Order is perfect, right? And we see that a little bit in in the the new movies and I think they do such a good job. I can't remember if it's last uh last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker but where they burn the books. Mm-hmm. That's such a great moment because it's Yoda who he has finally been, realizes it, but it takes him years yeah, to realize it. Yeah, Yoda, who has been the, like, kind of the staple, right, of the Jedi Order. He's been there for decades, right? And he goes through all the changes and is even kind of, even as a Force ghost, kind of around when Luke redoes the Jedi Order. He burns the books and is like, it's not about the, like, books or anything like that. Like, you know what I mean? And so it's basically like... This this rigidness isn't necessary. You know who is you know who the reason you know the reason the Jedi Order is so problematic is humanity. <laughs> well, it's it's and, carving and, things out into like these buckets. But it's kind of humanity. We're, we're our entire lives are centered around doing that. We have to rationalize things. Yeah. We have to have a reason for everything. We have to have a moral code in place. Mm-hmm. And maybe other races don't do that. And that is why they're more lenient and more understanding of what needs to be done. Like Ahsoka and Yoda and the humans. And the Mandalorians, too. Yeah, the humans don't get that. And I, I almost sat here and was like, you know what? Who You know who fucked everything up? Obi-Wan. <laughs> Which isn't true, but Obi-Wan is one of the... Uh, Obi-Wan, Mace Windu. I mean, all of them. Yeah. All of them are very much like, it has to be this the way. The um, Which, I mean, Yoda was a part of and didn't do anything about. Yeah, but... and, and Yoda, I think, has a, a realization in the Clone Wars that, like, the way they're doing things isn't correct yes. either. 
Um, I will say, I think for Luke specifically, there's a little bit of like projection, I feel like, of Luke. There's projection in a lot of different ways, right? Like he doesn't, he was never a part of the Jedi Order. He doesn't know what the Jedi Order was. Mm-hmm. He was born at literally at the downfall of the Jedi Order mm-hmm. um, and was a baby and then was raised under the Empire. So he just has this idea in his head of what the Jedi Order is. And it was like, oh, things were so much better back when the Jedi Order was around, which is true. But it doesn't mean that the Jedi Order is perfect and flawless. Mm-hmm. He and has a glorified version. He of has it a in very his head. exactly. He's a very glorified version, and it's problematic because he's then trying to redo a lot of what the Jedi Order did, which was problematic to begin with. And so when we get the choice for Grogu at the end, it's very much just kind of like I mean, I'm screaming. I'm like Luke Skywalker, you're a fucking idiot, because. Like, you're doing the same thing that the Jedi Order did. And, and, and it's it's on purpose, right? Like, I'm not saying that well, that's because why I'm... I kind of think Yoda's maybe... That's why I kind of think Grogu's going to cheat the system and become the Jedi Mandalorian. Well, and that's the thing is, like, it, it's such a stark contrast, right? In the last episode where we see Tar Vizsla, who is still... His name is carried on, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. he he's still Tar Vizsla to the... Or Visla is like a name that is carried on by the Mandalorians. But the, but the new one is Par Visla. His name isn't Tar Visla. No, no, no. I'm saying the their like their family name Visla. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. like carries on, and yet we have this choice at the end of this one where it's like you can either be a Mandalorian or you can be a Jedi, mm-hmm. and it's like you can. Why can't you fucking be both? Yeah. Like, and I think I think that I think it's set up on purpose like that. Like I'm not actually <laughs> I'm not actually bad at like the show or anything. Like it's the char- they did a really good job no, with the that's character. That's the way Luke is. I also you can just tell, like. The way he is is totally different than the way he began his journey in the original series. Mm-hmm. And he's like that in Return of the Jedi. He comes in this black robe and he's his hair's all nice and combed back and he's all composed like, "Oh, I know every I know all the secrets of the universe now that I'm a master." Like he just it's all this front, you know? Not that he's not a bad person, but like that's a front. Mm-hmm. And it literally drives him crazy and he becomes a crazy old man that's angry at the world because he realizes what he did himself. Well, he's trying to force, again, he's trying to force this rigidness that is unnecessary on all of these younglings, including mm-hmm. Ben Solo. And yeah. there's a lot, I think, that goes into like Ben Solo, mm-hmm. Ben Skywalker, essentially mm-hmm. being like, I think there's probably like a lot of like stuff put on him because like the Skywalker lineage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Luke, I mean, Luke does a lot with that, but I think that I think, thank God for Ahsoka being like, fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> Y'all are stupid. I'm out. Ahsoka's like going to go do the actual hard work. Like we're going to see Ahsoka like take down, um, blue man, <laughs> blue man, blue man group. Oh, Thrawn. I literally, yeah. <laughs> we're going to see Ahsoka take blue down man Thrawn group. or die to Thrawn. Who knows? Oh my god, that would be so shitty. I don't think that's gonna happen. But anyway, so like we see Ahsoka like doing like the actual hard work, whereas Jedi's trying uh, Jedi, whereas Luke is trying to start up <laughs> Jedi you know, man. the academy again, and like his heart's in the right place. It's just it's 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 a very flawed character arc for him, where it's like you're trying to be too good, mm-hmm. like you're trying to do good in such a way that it like becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. Like you need to see that things aren't black and white. Things aren't as cut and dry. The fact that everyone hid who his father was from him for so long really screwed him up because they could have helped him realize like your father did this and your father tried too hard to be a certain way mm-hmm. and ended up veering in the exact opposite direction instead of having a balance between, you know, your emotional like having these feelings and also helping people 
And, you know, he was basically coddled by the council and, and these things didn't work this way. And no one just sat there and told him this shit. Yeah. Honestly, Obi-Wan could have said some things to him and didn't. Yeah. Um, which sucks too. But it's, 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 again, it's a carrying on of this. The... Yeah. They still cannot get out of this, uh, structure. They right. haven't. I don't know what it is, but they're just not... And Sith, too. They're just not able to move past the code. Yeah. Which, again, that would be a very interesting thing if if Grogu was the Mandalore Jedi, because meant that would mean that he is denying both the code of the Jedi and the code of the Mandalorian. And, and, and breaking past both of those mm-hmm. time-honored traditions to be something very different. Now, I don't know how fucking weird Baby Yoda's going to look with a Darksaber flippity doing around, but I'm kind of here for it, but it's kind of also going to be weird. It's going to be weird. But I want to see him cut someone's head off. <laughs> <laughs> really quick, I do want to just, because we, we, we like just got into like the, the meat of this, I think. Yeah, which is fine. No, it's fine. Yeah, I'm not saying it was bad. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I did just want to point point out. So the the episode starts actually with Cobb Vanth. Uh, he encounters the Pike Syndicate. Mm-hmm. They're going through Freetown, and he's like, "Hey, get your shit out of here." Um, I do think they're doing a disservice to the Pike Syndicate. Uh, because they don't really feel that badass. Like no. they feel very like easily dealt I feel with. Like you're, yeah, yeah. I feel like you're just left to know they're badass if you've seen the Clone Wars. Yeah, but it's like or just they like seem kind of dumb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And then uh, after that, that's when we kind of jump into Din arriving on the the planet where Grogu is training with Luke. Mm-hmm. He's met by R two D two. Oh my god! So if that, I told Tommy, I said if this is the person that we get, I'm fine because R two D two is my favorite character. Oh, I didn't realize that's who you were talking about. No, that is what who I was talking about. Um, I was like, oh my god, it's R two. And R2 leads Din to... <laughs> and then he to, just shuts off. Yeah. R2 leads Din to... He said, I'm asleep. I'm asleep. This is going to take a while. R2 is his his being his sassy ass. Oh. Uh, he, he leads Din not to Luke, but to Ahsoka. I also loved seeing R2 and Ahsoka on the same screen. It just made me so excited. I, I, I wrote that down, too. It's like, this is the first time we've seen them both together in live action. And it makes and it me so really happy. Cool. It literally just seeing them on the same screen Also, she the mentions, most exciting thing. She mentions being a family friend. Yes. Uh, which is really funny. She also, I think at some point when she's talking with Luke, mentions like his father and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, she to her. says you're so much like your father, which, come on now. Yep. Um, but essentially, she knows. Yeah, essentially Ahsoka is like, look, the Jedi Order is like that of non-attachment and it's going to be hard for Grogu to see you. And, and here's the thing. She doesn't tell him like, don't do it. She just tells him like, yeah. here, here are your choices. Mm-hmm. You can go see him and make it harder for him. Or you can, like, leave him to do what he's doing with Luke. Yep. Um, Ahsoka, Ahsoka understands. Ahsoka She's understands. So and smart. Ahsoka also is very much, like, about letting people make their own choices. Well, Ahsoka is the... This, the Not in the same way as Luke. ...poster person <laughs> for being like, you need to question authority. You need to make your own decisions. And you need to... Sometimes your gut is telling you the right thing. Sometimes yeah. your heart is telling you the right thing. And even though people say that it's wrong you, you know authority is telling you that it's not right you it's okay to question that and yep. i think that's really cool yeah and and i think that again she's just a nice balance as well mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm curious what her role is going to be moving forward in the mandalorian and also in her her own show but i think that i think that it is just a very nice balance and, and it's also just really as as bad as to, to say this it's it's very interesting 
where this kind of had very prequel vibes, not in the sense that like it felt like the prequels, but it's it's very much the prequels, obviously, to the sequels, which is mm-hmm. a stupid thing to say. But <laughs> it's the prequel to Luke's downfall, right? And it's very interesting to see that. And that's why it has very mm-hmm. prequel vibes. And Luke's like, downfall, obviously, is very different than Anakin's. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, it's even more devastating because he just... He's trying to do the right thing. He just... Oh, he just fails so miserably. And his and belief... becomes this disheveled, disgruntled old man who doesn't want to... He sees all these things happening, but he doesn't want to be part of it again. Mostly because he blames himself. I mean... Yeah, and it's very much a breaking of faith kind of story. Yeah. Which is very, like... Yeah, understandable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, he's he's been... What's the word? Um, disillusioned. Yeah. By the entire order and... The order that he created. Too. Yeah, yeah. But... The new order... I just love it. I think yeah. there's so many juicy bits in here. I think um, I was very random, but we've kind of gone through the whole episode at this point. The fact that Baby Yoda's gift was chainmail kind of <laughs> threw me off. It's very weird. I was like, oh, chainmail. This is very medieval. Like, <laughs> that's not what Mandalorians wear. They wear chainmail? Is there chainmail underneath their armor, too? Maybe. I don't know. They're not getting bullets in their armor. That's You know what I mean? I was just confused. Well, I think I, think I still the idea... also want to see a baby with a chainmail. Did you see that? Did you see that picture I sent you of Baby Yoda in the Mandalorian armor? Yes, yeah. Was <laughs> I also think that chainmail is often in, like, like you can wear that under other stuff. So he could potentially Ooh. wear chainmail under his Jedi Rose. robes. You can't shoot me. You can't shoot me. Um, yeah, and so, last thing, we, we already talked about... It's hard to flippity-do around him, <laughs> We talked about Cad Bane, um, but the, the episode, the reason we get Cad Bane is the episode ends with, essentially, Boba and Fennec say they need foot soldiers. They have enough, like, brains and muscle, but they don't have enough people. And so Din tries to go to Freetown to get them to help out. Uh, and he ends up convincing Cobb Vanth a little bit. He's about to call people of, like, fighting age just to see who wants to do it. And that's when, that's when uh, Cad Bane shows up. Yeah. Um, so... It would be wonderful if Cad Bane turned heel and decided to work for Boba Fett, but I don't think that's going to happen because Cad Bane is always synonymous with the bad side. He always works for the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very f- interested to see. I really hope that he shows up again. I hope it wasn't just like a thing where he's like, "Oh, he's going to be in the final." No, nah, you don't don't come around these parts again, and then he goes away because he and Fennec have backstory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that made me start to think about, oh my God, wouldn't it be amazing to see? We're going to have to get a mention of Omega. Yeah. I, I, I It would be amazing to see yep. Omega. Because wouldn't she at this point be older? She'd be a teenager or maybe even an adult. She would be... So she actually is, unlike the clone, she, like Boba Fett, is aging. She's aging at the same time as like Boba Fett, essentially. Like, so she would be the same age as Boba Fett? No. So... So then how freaking old is Baby Yoda? So she's older than Clone Force 99. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I, it would I be know. really cool to see she's gonna her. Be, she, she would be an adult at this point. Yeah, um, it would be really cool to see her. It would be cool to see her. It would be cool to see the Bad Bat show up. Although. I want to see Tamora Morrison with a Rambo-ass wig and <laughs> being Hunter. That would be so funny. Um, um the good thing is the Bad Batch don't look exactly like yeah. the clones in the same way, so they probably could get different people, and I would be okay with it. Yeah, who knows um, how what like is going to happen. Love to see Rex. He already looks like Rex because he's bald and has a tubby belly. A little It'd bit. It'd be really cute. And uh, I'd love to see him play a more comedic, goofy role. Um, don't know if you know he would 
they'd be able to do that. But anyway, I think the whole fact that Cad Bane exists in this world is really, really opening up that anyone can come back. Because Cad Bane was who I thought was going to come come in here. Because everyone loves him. He is one of those Boba Fett characters where everyone's just obsessed with him. He's a really cool bounty hunter. It's a whole show about bounty hunters. We have almost every bounty hunter. I'm kind of hoping we get... We've seen some weak way. I'm kind of hoping that we'll get a uh, pirate. It'd be really cool if we got Hondo to be part of this. Just the whole gang of crazies. Yeah, I mean, I think they have a lot of different direction that they can go. It sh- they've shown that they're not afraid of bringing in... That was the thing. Was I thought yeah. Cad Bane was probably one of the, like, SFX-wise, probably one of the most difficult people to bring, because he is full alien, but he's also got, like, the respirator, and, like, mm-hmm. he, he's very, like, active and combat-heavy, and so I was like, okay, if they bring Cad Bane in, then I think they can bring pretty much any... I mean, they CGI huts, so, like, they could bring anybody in. So I have a lot of hope that a lot of really... I'd love to see Chopper... Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be super easy The whole and ghost cool. crew. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's just so much um, potential. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see. And I think that's going to be some good potential when Obi-Wan and Ahsoka come out. We're going to see some great, some greats come back. And we're yeah. going to have to finish Rebels, which, you know what? Eventually, we'll be get back to watching Clone Wars, too. And it'll be kind of fun to go back and watch it now that we've watched so much of this. Because I think there will be a lot of Easter eggs that we've missed. Yeah. Well... We've talked about everything else I have on my notes. So let's go really quick beyond the Outer Rim. Do you have something you want to talk about? Speaking of the Outer Rim, our cat's licking her butthole right next to us. <laughs> Hi, Polly. She's like, what? What's going on? She's like looking at us like, what? Did, what did I want to go beyond the Outer Rim? I thought you wanted to talk about Pokemon. That's oh, that's, mean. well, you talked about Pokemon last time. And now I'm going to sit here and play Pokemon for a few hours because it is so good. It is so fun. Um, I'm just trying to... I'm considering making my entire party all different Eevees. Gracie, you're... Polly, you're not even licking your butt. Your foot is just up in the air. Look at her. (laughs) She's just, like, staring at the light with her foot up, but she's not actually licking her butt. Are you okay? She's just... She's just doing her thing. Sometimes when they lick their butt, they, like, go into this weird, like, void, and they're like, ugh... Cats assholes are really interesting. Um, that's my Beyond the Outer Rim. Yay! Yeah, I mean that's that's basically it. We're just spending a ton of time on Pokemon, and uh, it's still freaking great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw and I saw some new trailers for Picard, which comes out. Oh yeah, March. you're really excited about that. So I'm pretty excited. I also need to watch more Prodigy. I've heard it's really good. I've seen some CGI I of Chakotay, um, and some other characters that come up. So. Again, everyone's going to hate me for this, but I'm not a big Voyager fan. I just, I really like DS9. Um, but I love Janeway. I mean, she's amazing. So I'm, I'm super excited to watch more of it. I just haven't. There's a lot of things that I've, that I need to watch right now. Like I just found out Demon Slayer, the sequel, or the, the movie, and then also the, the second season are on Hulu, which is weird because they're on Hulu. It says it's season one, but it's definitely not because I started watching it and was like, this is deaf. She still just had her foot in the air. I'm sorry. I'm so distracted and confused. She's not even cleaning herself. Okay. Anyway, yeah. let's go. <laughs> anyway, let's go. So yeah, that does it for today's episode. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Distant Echoes SW, or you can find each of us individually. Cassie, where are you located in this galaxy? <laughs> sorry. 
Uh, oh, she sees your she sees the light on your phone. That's why she's like, what is that? I'm at Cassie Thulu. On Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm at Awkward Comma. Tune in next week when we discuss the galaxy's hottest new game show, The Spice is Right. <laughs> you dumb. <laughs> what was that dad joke we made earlier? I don't remember. Oh, man. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.